This podcast is made possible by the generosity of supporting members. Please visit dharmaocean.org to find out more about becoming a supporting member. You are listening to the Dharma Ocean Podcast. In this talk, Reggie speaks to the groundlessness that we experience when situations don't fit into the known territory of ego. In such moments, strong feelings of anxiety, fear, reactivity, and ambiguity might arise. Instead of trying to secure territory, he encourages us to turn toward the feelings and open to the uncertainty. This talk was given in 2006 at the June Meditating with the Body Retreat, held in Crestone, Colorado. To find out about the upcoming Winter Meditation Intensive, please visit our program calendar. So, um, how is everyone feeling this morning? How are you feeling? Anybody feeling anxious? Anybody feeling distressed by the um, groundlessness of the situation? Anybody feeling like they're about to freak out? (laughs) See, here's the thing with this work. When you, you know, initially um, catch a glimpse of what's going on here, um, you know, from a friend or from one of the um, notices, you know, in the you know magazines or whatever mailing. Who knows? There's um, initially inspiration, of course. You know, real sense of uh, possibility for you and. Also, a sense of a karmic lineup, karmic uh, coincidence, because you need two things really to be here. One is you need the inspiration, you need the genuine glimpse and the sense that it connects with something very deep within you. But then the karma has to be there too. In other words, your own life, your own interests, your own momentum, and your own uh, circumstances need to be also aligned so that you can actually come. So that's, you know, that's kind of the entry point. But, you know, the thing is that whatever we, whatever we do in life, the way we think about it is that it's going to be a further confirmation of our ego. That's always there. And it's there for everybody. It's there up until you achieve enlightenment. There's always a desire to take what's happening and to kind of fit it into your framework and then go from there. It's inevitable. And I think what's happening now with all of us is that you're or we are beginning to realize 
that there it's not it's not going to be like that and we begin to feel actually quite groundless and we begin to feel like we're losing our reference points the ego is starting to freak out and that's a sign actually that the work is penetrating us and that it's actually really happening and one thing i'd like you to pay attention to at this point in the program and as we go further is the temper tantrums and the freakouts of your own ego and it's interesting it comes out here where people want reference points and uh, somebody will come up and ask a, a question about something practical, like, uh, you know, where can I make a phone call, or I have a suggestion about the kitchen, or could somebody turn off their cell phone? But the emotional charge coming through that very simple practical thing is completely out of proportion to the situation. And in fact, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get our grip back and we're trying to get our reference points back. And the reason we're trying to get them back is because we're losing them. See, when you're in the middle of a thunderstorm, of course you feel the intensity. It's very intense. But when the thunderstorm's over, you don't spend the rest of the day trying to work out the intensity that you felt. But somehow in the human realm, it becomes you know very tempting reference point you know it, it's a you know if we feel like we're losing our grand, our grand then we can find something in the program we can think about and be upset about and freak out about and try to work out and it's really it's really a self-created kind of uh, obsessive quality i mean it's there's no there's nothing inherent in anything that happens in life that we need to kind of hook on to and try to work out, you know, that happened yesterday or last week or 20 years ago. It's, there's nothing there. The interesting point, um, you know, when Chogyam Trungpa was teaching in, uh, I've been listening to uh, some talks he gave in 1970, which is his first year here. There's a, a, whole, a, a collection of all of his, uh, everything he ever taught is starting to come out slowly on CDs. So I've been listening to these, uh, some of these talks. You know, I was I was uh, there, but of course, in another way, was I there? I mean, you know. <laughs> but one of the things that comes up uh, really a lot in in uh, these you know initial talks is people's hanging on to the past and feeling that there's there are things that need to be worked out in the past and obsessed by the past. Their childhood, their, uh, their traumas, or even, I mean, it's, it's so interesting. And what he says is, and this is a very important point, there is no past, actually. What we have is a present situation of our own state of mind, our state of being, our experience, and that actually contains everything. Everything is there. And we have these ways of thinking about what comes up now, such as that's the past, this is the future that I'm worried about, or this is the present. 
this is the distant past, this is two years ago, this is yesterday. But these are all thoughts we have about the current complete emotional situation that we're in. So in fact, the when we think about the past or we think about resolving the past, it's a way of not engaging the present fully. It's a way of not being present and not being willing to experience the fullness of the this moment of our life, which, as I've been saying, I mean, it's very, you know, the intensity, the ambiguity, the groundlessness of the present, of course, is um, it's a challenging. But, you know, when you think about it, of course there's no past. The past is just a series of thoughts we have about the intensity of, the, of this immediate situation. So, um, I encourage you to rather than freaking out about somebody's alarm clock or um, you know some something you noticed in the kitchen or I mean it's fine to notice all these things but to freak out about them is another it's another interesting point so rather than doing that feel your anxiety right now feel your sense of groundlessness, feel your sense that this program is not delivering what you wanted or what you expected. It's delivering something else. And as I've been saying over and over, this something else actually is what we're looking for. And it, it's, um, it's not information, it's not, not further enhancement of your current status quo. It's actually beginning to show us how we can live in a way that is much deeper and more profound than our status quo. And that that profundity is actually what we're looking for. That's what the longing is. It's very understandable that when we come into a program like this, and or we come into this program, because there is you know, obviously no other program like this. This is its own thing. When we come into this program, it's understandable that we want to fit it into our known territory. Now, you understand, don't you, what I'm saying? I mean, this is language that I've been using a lot. The known territory of ego, there's always a tendency to want to incorporate into that territory whatever we're doing, including spiritual work. But genuine spiritual work actually calls the territory of ego itself into question, and that's what we're doing here. So it's natural for you to be upset or freaked out or anxious or groundless or be looking for reference points. But the important point is to see what you're doing and kind of stay with it. Don't, um, don't think that it's your problem is that they're not stacking the dishes right in the kitchen. <laughs> or that your problem is that your uh, roommate gets up too early. That's not your problem. Your problem is actually you. And the way in which you try to hang on to reality and the way in which you try to fit everything into what you already know how to do and who you already are. One of the difficulties I have here is, you know, in teaching this program is one of the great things is I have a lot of people who have been exploring the body in a lot of different ways. And it's been true every year since the first year. And on one level, it's fabulous. I mean, it's um, wonderful for me and wonderful for the program. But the other problem is we have a little bit of a problem of what I call professionalism. And uh, quite a number of people tell me, well, you know, I'm just, I already know all this stuff, but I'm, I'm just here to kind of see if I can get some new tools. Listen to me, friends. <laughs> what I'm teaching here comes from 
a tradition that is it doesn't it doesn't exist in the Western world and it doesn't exist right now in our modern world. It comes from Dzogchen and it's a, a further development of Dzogchen tradition from Tibet, which is a tradition developed out of people being in retreat for 30, 40, 50, 60 years and what they've learned. So I I suggest the possibility that when you tell me you already know everything that's going on here, that possibly there's some hanging on that actually is getting in your way. You know, there are no professionals. There are no experts in anything. And to me, you know, in terms of your work, I think one of the gifts of this tradition is that you can deprofessionalize. You can be a naked person who has um, a tremendous wealth of experience to bring to bear in working with other people, but that you don't know it all, and I don't know it all. I mean, that's really, I think, the ultimate gift. And at that point, whether you're a person who has you know, decades of uh, bodywork experience or whether you're a person who never connected with their body at all. I mean, in a way, we're all learning the same thing, which is how to live a human life that is not based on personal territory and ego self-aggrandizement. I mean, that's what this tradition is about. And, you know, as I've said to you over and over, that's where the freedom lies. You know, I mean, our trap is not this world that we live in, and it's not anything that's going on in our life or who we are. Our trap is that we're trying to be somebody definite and solid. Our trap is that we're trying to maintain some sense of personal identity in the face of life. Our trap is that we can't relate to the constant change that is required from us to be human beings. Our trap is actually ourselves and what, we're, what we do to ourselves. So it's very challenging what we're doing. And, you know, um, honestly, truthfully, I feel this is the most challenging thing that human beings could ever do, is to allow themselves to open to life and genuinely open, and not some kind of phony, fluffy, new age kind of openness, but the fundamental openness that happens when you're willing to let go of your grip on yourself. So anxiety is no problem. Feeling like you're about to freak out is no problem. Um, feeling that uh, you know you're just about to go crazy if somebody doesn't change their shirt. <laughs> you know, somebody sitting in front of you. You know, if you see that that uh, shirt one more time, you can <laughs> become hysterical. Take all of these things as. A, an expression of your own energy and your own um, the intensity you know, of your life at this moment and what it feels like to be groundless, what it feels like to lose reference points, what it feels like not to be able to control what's going on in this program you know, and, and use it for your own ends. I mean, partly, of course, we do, but in another level, you can't do it because this material isn't, you know, working with the body in this way is not susceptible to be being co-opted into the ego entirely. It's just not, it's just never going to happen.
So you have, uh, based on your own intelligence, you've fallen into a very potent situation. And it's important we stay with the potency and we don't um, separate, we don't disconnect, and we don't begin to blame the world because we feel life in a very intense way. And we don't think that it's a bad thing. There's nothing, there's, there's, you know, anxiety, as I said, I think I said to you in the first you know, retreat, anxiety is a mark that reality is beginning to break through our shell. That's why we feel anxious. Anxiety is good news. And it's also difficult news, and it's news that we have to work with. Some of us are very, very anxious people. And I know uh, it's overwhelming sometimes. It's not bad. And the more you stay with your anxiety and you don't exit, the better. And, you know, one of the things, if you keep working with me and working with this lineage, one of the things that, as again I've mentioned, is I'll encourage you to do retreats, solitary retreats. Because what happens in solitary retreat is there's no state of mind that isn't very welcome, actually. And, you know, when I go into retreat... I have periods of time of intense anxiety, tremendous fear, blackness, darkness, crazy conceptual mind, just come totally out of control. And these situations, you sit down with these situations, sit down on your cushion, because you know, you don't do anything all day. You get up, you have your tea, you sit down, you practice all morning. You sit down with that, whatever that state of mind is, and what you learn, this is, you know, this is why retreat is so unusual, that solitary retreat. What you learn is every single state of mind that your life produces, that comes up in you, whatever it may be, however off the chart it may be in terms of modern life or modern psychiatry, is a journey. And you work through it. You come through it. It takes time. You know, you can sit with a state of mind for three or four hours, but if you are completely there and you don't try to exit, a tremendous amount of journey occurs and a tremendous amount of transformation and understanding. And I'm telling you, you know, I know people who have experienced trauma, experienced very high levels of anxiety. On retreat, I do believe that one experiences everything that human beings are capable of, including people who have been deeply traumatized. And what you find out is, not only is it workable, and not only if you stay with it, do you, do you, is it resolved into something else, but actually it's incredibly beneficial to have those states of mind in retreat. There are some times when I'll wake up and I'm kind of, caught in a a sort of normal, habitual way, and I can't actually connect with those deep emotions that are going on under the surface. And that's actually the upsetting time, is when you you can't be there with it, which doesn't happen very often in retreat, but it does happen. Or when there's nothing happening. You know, when you're, you're looking for that 
It's, it's almost as if you're looking for negative states of mind. In retreat, it isn't almost as if you are. You're looking for the most negative states of mind that your life has to offer. You're actually looking for them because you have the confidence that by being with them and feeling them and not judging them and living with them that and feeling them fully and allowing them to penetrate you that there's a very powerful thing that happens. And, you know, when you're in retreat for a, a fair amount of time, it becomes a way of life. And you realize, first of all, I mean, I can't tell you how much I miss that. It's so hard for me not to be there. It's my karma, you know. I have work to do in the lineage you know, they don't like give you a choice. You have to do it. But when you realize that about life and about your own life and about the life of all people, that all of these so-called negative states of mind are actually potent avenues of transformation. And when you realize that the way in which we all avoid these, I mean, it's truly heartbreaking it's truly heartbreaking. So I feel, I mean, you know, how am I going to get you into a situation? How am I going to get my students in a place where they can see this and understand it? Because your whole life changes when you understand that about so-called negativity, that it actually is the avenue of transformation and the transformation that we most deeply want well by a a very auspicious situation we have this meditating with the body program which i do believe you know you're being entered into this way of being but there's a long way to go and eventually you see when you live when you live relating to emotions directly in that way, not judging them and not um, exiting, you're living on a different level. You're not living anymore in terms of what you think about life or how you strategize or what you're going to do tomorrow. You realize that the immediacy of your life contains everything. It's called living on the symbolic level rather than the conceptual level. You're living on an emotional level, not the conceptual. And the heart as I said, you know, the first day, the heart becomes the, um, the way you know. And that knowing is real knowing. Conceptual knowing isn't. It's exiting. And as I said yesterday, thinking itself is aggressive. Because think, what thinking does is it takes the abundance of reality and it narrows it down to something that we can handle. We generalize. And generalizing, like if I say so-and-so is a woman, I've exited because I'm putting, it in, I'm putting that person into a category of something that's an idea, and I'm separating from the, the abundance of the experience. So living in the way that I'm talking about is living on the symbolic level, living um, purely in terms of direct intuition, direct knowledge, direct feeling. It's a different way of living. But we can train to do that. We can train to live that way. And I know, you know, from talking to you already, many of you are starting to get a glimpse of a different way of being. And the questions that have come up, how can I be with people? How can I be in my life? How can I take this back 
these questions are, number one, coming up, and number two, people are starting to get a feel for it. That's what we're doing here. You know, we're actually learning to live in a much more authentic human way, a much deeper way, a much fuller way, a much more connected way. But it is a way where the reference points are gone and life is groundless. Initially, when you experience groundlessness, you know, as you know, you do start to freak out. And when you start to lose your reference points and you start to realize that not only can you not fit this program into your scheme, you can't fit anything into your scheme anymore. And I think that's really what a lot of people here are starting to figure out. Nothing fits in anymore. You can't fit anything in. It's um, way more open than that. It's an open situation. It's groundless. Initially, when you start to feel that, you do start to uh, tense up. You become tense. You know what I'm saying? You become anxious. Now, some people might feel, well, you know, purpose of this retreat is to become calm, not to become anxious. That's... um, I think that's a a preliminary understanding of what a retreat is for. And I think, you know, there are uh, many traditions that offer that. You know, you come to our retreat, you'll become very peaceful. But this is the Vajrayana. This is not, uh, you know, pacification. This is learning how to be, learning how to live, learning how to, to abide in the fire of transformation. We have a program called the Datun, which I think you might know about. And um, <clears throat> I have, you know, quite a number of people who will come from the, um, you know, Vipassana tradition where they uh, just have 30 days of silence. Initially, 30 days of silence is a very challenging, but after a while you kind of sink into it and you actually get to like it because it's, in a way, it's sort of easy. We don't do that. We deliberately alternate silence and periods when you can talk, deliberately. Why do we do it? because we don't want you to create personal territory out of silence. Silence is definitely an important part of the training, but if it starts to turn into personal territory and comfort, then we do something else just to keep you destabilized, keep you from taking spirituality and making it part of your ego strategy. This Vajrayana tradition is very radical. It's very radical. As I said, it's called the short path because we use every situation, every emotion in life as part of the fire of transformation, which in fact it is. These things already are that way. But we as human beings, because of our ego thing, have actually retreated from the fire of our own life and from the discontinuity and the groundlessness and the intensity. And... We need to train ourselves back into that. And to do that, it's simple. All you do is you identify where you're hanging on and you let go. And if somebody's hanging on to silence, or, uh, you know, like we'll do silence for maybe three or four days, and then we have talking. And do you know how upset people get? Because they were just starting to really catch on and be able to turn this into something they could use to feel better. Out it goes. And then they... They talk and they realize that they can connect with people, they let go, and then we have silence again. And you know how upset they get? 
it's a constant process. And being around, you know, Chogyam Trungpa um, was the master of chaos. And as I mentioned to you before, he used to say, chaos is good news. Chaos is good news. Chaos is reality beginning to break through the ego security system. And uh, he, you know, he didn't do anything. It's just that you were in the man's presence and your life started to fall apart. (laughs) So please be, um, please have confidence in your life falling apart, in your psyche falling apart, in your expectations of spirituality collapsing. I mean, have confidence in that. This is it. I mean, this is, this is how it goes. And, you know, you, you, you might think, I can't live without reference points. You might think that. In fact, we do think that. That's why we spend so much time trying to create solid reference points for ourselves. But the fact is, we, we not only we can live without reference points, but we do probably about a million times better when we learn how to live without reference points. And we begin to realize that that actually is what we've been looking for. Now I know, you know, from on a certain point of view, you all know what I'm talking about because, you know, frankly, even coming to this program, obviously that's your fundamental inspiration or you wouldn't be here. But we need reminders. We need reminders. And um, it does seem that, you know, we are tensing up a little bit. So I just, I'm inviting you to relax. You know, relax. Isn't that the basic instruction? Relax. Uh, Now, of course, we have this kind of secret thing here that relaxation means that, you know, as I've talked about, when we think, we tense. When we try to consolidate our ego, we tense. The ego structure itself is based on physical tension. So obviously when I say relax... I mean, if, if you know, that's basically saying um, let go of your ego completely and be fully enlightened. <laughs> so it sounds very benign when I say relax, but obviously it's, you know, it's not benign. It's, uh, it's a terrifying prospect, actually relaxing. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to offer those uh, words of uh, encouragement to you to just, uh, you know, Everything's fine. I mean, you're doing fine. And if you're freaking out, you're getting it. You're actually starting to understand. And if you feel very edgy and you feel like, um, you know, if you hear one more bird chirp, (laughs) that's going to be it for you. (laughs) Now, the reason I mention this is this morning... I mean, you know, isn't there some kind of order in the phenomenal world? Don't birds chirp when it gets light? Outside my window this morning at 1.30, a bird started chirping. I'm like, shut up, it's still... (laughs) So, I just want you to know I'm in it with you. To listen to more of Reggie and Caroline's teachings, 
find out about upcoming retreats and online programs, and explore a variety of audio listening guides to assist you on your journey with somatic meditation, please visit dharmaocean.org. Our music is by Jeff Beale and Nawang Ketchog from the album Tibet Cry of the Snow Lion. <laughs>